All right, uh, let's just begin in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for the opportunity to gather together and to uh, open up uh, your holy and righteous and perfect word. And I pray that you would uh, be with us and that your spirit would be with us, uh, that we would be built up and taught and instructed by you uh, because uh, if it doesn't come from you and from your spirit, then uh, it's utter vanity and worthless. So I pray that we would be taught by you and that we would be uh, encouraged in your word and in the gospel and that uh, we would love you and uh, know you and your son uh, all the more. And we pray in his name. Amen. All right, so this evening, I thought, uh, since we've been looking at Genesis with a youth Bible study, uh, we'll take a look at Genesis chapter 2 with the creation of the man and the woman, uh, focusing particularly uh, on the man, uh, because this is really uh, fundamental uh, stuff as far as it goes, understanding God's word, understanding God's purposes in creation and all of history. Uh, and you might think uh, that you have Genesis 1 through 3 uh, down. Uh, even people who haven't read the whole Bible have probably, if they've read any, they've read the first three chapters of Genesis. Uh, and the fourth one is really part of that as well. But uh, the waters are very deep uh, and profound, and I have just been uh, stunned and amazed by how deep this material is and how it lays the groundwork and the seeds for uh, the rest of Scripture and basically uh, all of the rest of the Bible, uh, the book of Genesis, the Torah, the five books of Moses, uh, the, the Tanakh, the Old Testament, uh, the New Testament is basically just building on and expanding uh, from uh, the first four chapters of, of Genesis. So uh, this uh, will hopefully maybe whet your appetite a little bit. And if you want to listen to any of our classes, uh, they're all posted online and uh, just have maybe a couple more that I have to edit and uh, get online. But uh, we've gone through uh, with very great detail uh, going through it. And then we're hoping to uh, pick up the pace a little bit uh, through chapter 4 and uh, the rest uh, of the book. And so first, uh, just before we get to chapter 2, uh, looking at the, the creation of the man and the woman, uh, we begin uh, with uh, the creation of all things. Uh, in the book of Genesis, it's important to recognize uh, it has uh, about uh, 11 uh, Toledot uh, generation sections, uh, and that is really what uh, structures the whole book, uh, all of these sections. Uh, in the first one we'll be seeing, we'll talk about it a little more uh, once we get to chapter 2, verse 4, uh, but uh, then with the first chapter, uh, it doesn't begin with a, a Toledo, but it begins uh, at the very beginning of uh, creation. And so let, let's just look at the first couple of verses, and we'll make our way into chapter 2. Uh, I also want to show you a little bit about how uh, narrative uh, works, just to help you uh, become 
a better, a more attentive uh, readers, uh, seeing how, how Hebrew uh, historical narrative works. And so, now beginning with the, the first uh, couple verses, uh, the, uh, this chapter, the creation account, is uh, in seven sections, uh, following uh, the seven days of creation. Uh, and we won't be going deeply uh, into that, uh, but uh, as I'd argue, their uh, light and day, uh, uh, day and night, uh, evening and morning days, uh, there are six of them. Uh, the first day, there was evening and morning. The first day, there was evening and morning. The second day, uh, beginning with evening or darkness, uh, that's the Hebrew conception of time. The day begins with darkness uh, and then uh, moves to light. And when you arrive at darkness again, now you're at a, a new day. And so as you work through, uh, this whole chapter is uh, structured into uh, the, the seven uh, days. And as Moses says in Exodus 20, uh, and I believe uh, chapter 31, maybe 34, uh, giving the, the command for the Sabbath, uh, he says, uh, you shall work for six days and rest on the seventh day. Uh, and then when he's giving the reason for it, for God worked for six days and rested on the seventh day. Uh, therefore, he uh, blessed the, the seventh day and sanctified and made it holy. Uh, so you're to do uh, what God did. And it, it draws an analogy there. And the Hebrews would understand that uh, very, very clearly, uh, just as clearly as Joshua uh, and, uh, and the Israelites were to walk around the city uh, once each of the uh, for six days and seven times on the seventh day and uh, he even drops in uh, they woke at the uh, in the morning and they they went uh, to bed at the evening things like that uh, and it'd be very uh, very clear and so we, we covered that in great detail if you want to go back and listen to it uh, we have the the podcasts up and so uh, I just encourage you that uh, if scripture teaches that God created the heavens the earth the seas and all that are in them all of them uh, in six days, in their evening and morning uh, days, uh, earth rotation days, uh, then I would say, uh, if it teaches that, believe it. Uh, it it's never safe or right uh, to disbelieve God uh, on anything that he says about anything. Uh, not one word uh, of, of God's word uh, fails. Uh, they're, they're all true. And if it doesn't teach it, don't believe it, uh, but uh, I, I believe with great uh, conviction, as I've studied this in great detail, uh, that it is really uh, not uh, so unclear, uh, but I, I think it has more to do with uh, uh, some of the, the presuppositions uh, of our uh, day and age. But anyway, uh, the, the first two verses, uh, they present, uh, although they're, they're part of the first day, they present some introductory material. Uh, as pretty much all narratives begin with, uh, that helps to set the stage and the circumstances uh, and the setting of what's to follow, uh, and even to uh, introduce unresolved issues or, or problems into the narrative that, uh, that the rest of it's going to resolve. Uh, and we see that uh, as we read the, the first uh, two verses. Uh, in the beginning, a God created the heavens and the earth, uh, God needs no introduction because the Israelites know exactly who he is. Uh, there's only one creator God, uh, and uh, he is before all things. Uh, he exists independently 
of all things. Uh, his, his existence uh, depends on nothing whatsoever. Uh, he is eternal. Uh, and so uh, we see in the very beginning, uh, God is, is already there, uh, and he creates the heavens and the earth. And so now the heavens and the earth have been introduced uh, into the narrative. Uh, now uh, Moses is going to give us a little background information about the, the heavens and the earth uh, in their uh, state so that we understand what follows. Uh, the earth was without form and void, uh, or uh, as I'd argue, more along the lines of it was barren and empty, or barren and, and void. Uh, and uh, then just, just going on, the earth was uh, barren and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over uh, the waters. Uh, and so now in narrative, uh, basically the, the basic question is, what happened? What happened? Uh, the events are what drive the narrative forward. It's going somewhere uh, and, uh, along the event line. And by the time we get to the end of Genesis, uh, the 12 sons of Israel and the 12 tribes, uh, they're going to be in, uh, in Egypt uh, to be preserved uh, as a people. Uh, and they will come out in Exodus. Uh, and with uh, chapter 1, we begin with the creation of the heavens and the earth. Uh, but verse 2, it doesn't tell us what happened, but just gives us information about the, the earth. Uh, the earth was uh, barren and empty, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Uh, and then this barren and emptiness and darkness, a uh, God is going to resolve. Uh, the heavens and the earth are now set on the stage. Uh, it's basically a kind of like a, a lump of clay on the potter's uh, wheel uh, that's waiting to be uh, brought to completion uh, or, or like a, a block of stone that's ready to be chiseled or, or even a, like a blank canvas uh, that's, that's been primed and it's ready to be brought to its completion. Uh, it's barren and empty. Uh, in the first three days, primarily resolve uh, this uh, barrenness. Uh, God is going to create uh, habitats, uh, fruitful habitats uh, for all of his creatures uh, and all of the inhabitants of uh, the creation. Uh, and so uh, he uh, forms and creates uh, light and darkness. Uh, he uh, creates the, uh, the expanse in the, the midst of the waters and names the expanse uh, heavens above. Uh, look at the sky and you, you see there's the expanse uh, right, right there, uh, right, out, right out that window uh, because it's told from the perspective of basically your feet planted uh, on the earth, uh, looking uh, and seeing all of these things uh, being uh, brought about. Uh, and then uh, on the third day, uh, he uh, s separates, uh, he, he brings forth the dry land uh, and separates the, the waters, creating uh, seas and dry land uh, and then filling it with vegetation. So now uh, there are these uh, habitats in, in the heavens above, uh, uh, on the, uh, the, the earth and the seas, uh, and uh, with the, the vegetation that ultimately he's going to give to his create creatures. And then it's in days uh, four through six uh, that uh, by and large, 
day four largely uh, coincides with day one, but it's a little more complicated than that. Commentators sometimes uh, oversimplify it a little bit, but uh, he's going to place the, the, the sun, moon, and stars in the heavens, although he doesn't use the word uh, sun and moon uh, because uh, it may be associated with uh, pagan uh, deities. Uh, Shemesh uh, was uh, very close to a, a Mesopotamian god, so that it's just the greater light and the lesser light. Uh, and uh, he has other, other reasons for uh, doing that as well. Uh, and uh, then with uh, day uh, five, uh, he uh, creates the uh, sea creatures and the birds, the, the fish and the birds. Uh, and they fill the, the waters uh, below uh, on day two uh, and uh, the, uh, the, the heavens uh, above. Uh, he separated the, the waters. Uh, but... Uh, it's still a little more complicated than that because the fish are in the seas on, on day three. Uh, the seas are only brought to completion on day uh, day three. Uh, and then with uh, day six, he gets to, uh, creates the beasts, uh, and then uh, man, who is the very pinnacle of all of his uh, creation. Uh, and there are a few things that uh, reveal this, and we'll see it in verse 26. Uh, but just if, if you look at uh, what it says about uh, God creating uh, on e- each of the days, uh, just listen. Uh, so day one, uh, verse three, and God said, let there be light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. Uh, God called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and morning the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above uh, the expanse. So it's it's talking God's giving a command, a decree, uh, and then he brings it to pass uh, in in creation. And uh, we keep seeing this. uh, Verse 11, uh, or actually uh, verse 9. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. Uh, And it was so, uh, verse 11, And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, uh, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so, the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to their kind. Uh, And then in uh, verse 14, it keeps going from God's command, and either God will make it, or it will say that uh, it it came to pass. Uh, It it came forth. Uh, Verse 14, day 4, And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens uh, to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And the stars, verse 20, and uh, now on day five. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds uh, and so on. Uh, And then as we get to day six, we have one more with the the beasts. Uh, But just pay attention. When we get to the humans, there's going to be something a little bit different. 
verse 24, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Now listen with the creation of man. Uh, and is there anything uh, different that, that maybe should grab your attention? Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Uh, when you get uh, to the humans, before that, uh, God will say things, let the earth bring forth, uh, and so on. Let there be light. Uh, and God separate the light from the darkness, but you get to humanity. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Uh, the, the pattern of the previous days is shattered. Uh, as you're reading along, it should grab your attention uh, because uh, when an author, uh, Moses, changes the, the pattern along the way, uh, it's consistent uh, throughout. Uh, it should perk up your ears, and you, you should see this is, this is important. I better pay attention uh, to what uh, he's saying uh, right here. Uh, and this uh, is because man is the final work of creation in the six days of creation. Uh, he's the very pinnacle and culmination uh, of uh, all of it, uh, because God has a very particular place uh, for man uh, in his creation and his purpose uh, to bless uh, the creatures, uh, to bless uh, the, the fish and the birds and the beasts uh, and uh, man. Uh, and the reason for that fundamentally is that God created them in his image uh, after his uh, likeness. And that uh, is unique uh, to uh, man. Uh, and we can't really uh, get into it uh, here, uh, but if you go and listen uh, to what we have posted on day six, we go uh, into uh, great detail on this. Uh, but uh, to be created uh, in God's image after uh, his likeness uh, has to do with, uh, in some way, man corresponds to God. Uh, there, is, there is some sort of similarity or correspondence uh, with God. Uh, so uh, the, the idea of image, for instance, uh, if you read uh, in Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel will talk about uh, how the uh, Israelites, uh, they saw these uh, images of men, uh, of the Chaldeans, the, the Babylonians, uh, in uh, these, uh, these sculptures called a, a bas relief. Uh, and so into a wall, it was kind of like a, a picture, but they would carve it into the wall. So it gave it, it was kind of two-dimensional, but gave it a little th uh, 3D depth. And uh, the Assyrians and the Babylonians, uh, they like to do this. Uh, with the Assyrians, you can see 
that they uh, created uh, scenes of their conquests, uh, even uh, their conquest and destruction of the Israelite city of Lachish uh, when they uh, destroyed it uh, and uh, sieged it. Uh, and so they'd show their, their great victories and mighty men in battles, uh, and you would see images, uh, images of these men with uh, flowing turbans. And uh, uh, as you look at it, and now uh, these men in their conquests and battles, as, as you look at the bas relief, this, this kind of uh, carved out, chiseled out portrait into the wall, well, they're not the men. Uh, they're not the men who fought that. Uh, they're, not, uh, they're not real people, but they're representations uh, of them. Uh, they're, to, uh, they're to be a representation of these scenes, uh, to, to have this, uh, this correspondence in here uh, in their very, their very appearance. Uh, and things can correspond in different ways. And uh, even with, uh, in 1 Samuel, uh, when the uh, ark was brought uh, to the, the Philistines, and the Philistines captured it and took the ark away, uh, God brought plagues upon the Philistine people. And so they kept the, the ark going around from place to place uh, because of the plagues that were coming on them, plagues of, of mice and disease and tumors and, uh, that were breaking uh, out upon them. And so uh, they created images of uh, their tumors and, and mice, these, these uh, growths uh, or boils that were on them, uh, of like gold and silver, uh, and they created these images and sent them back with the ark to appease uh, the god of the Israelites, who, who uh, was bringing plagues upon them. Uh, and now, they're not the actual tumors, they're not the actual mice and the plagues that were upon them, but they're images, they're, they're sort of representations, they're models uh, that have a, a correspondence, a likeness, a resemblance uh, to uh, the real thing. Uh, and so things can, uh, can resemble in different ways. And now uh, man uh, doesn't look like God because God doesn't have a body uh, or anything like that, as uh, Mormons uh, uh, would believe, uh, and uh, pagans would, would believe uh, about uh, their gods that were basically glorified men. Uh, they were kind of like, uh, they're very much like sort of uh, superhumans, uh, kind of like X-Men or, or something like that, that, that we have in like modern comic, comic books. And they, they kind of had the, the characteristics of men, but they were, they were smarter, they had more longevity, uh, but even they would be uh, created beings. Uh, but they'd also, they'd have the, the same sort of defects as man, men, where uh, men have problems with anger, uh, anger problems, and uh, they're selfish and lustful and adulterous. Uh, well, the gods, all the more, uh, the, you know, they're, they're far more uh, lustful and uh, zealous and uh, and uh, th their rage is, is uncontrolled. Uh, and so that is really the, the pagan conception of, uh, of gods. Uh, but uh, here, a God created uh, man, and wherever you see this image and likeness, this correspondence to God, uh, where you, you see it after the, the flood and the, the covenant that God made with Noah, uh, and uh, even uh, David, the psalmist, may be reflecting in Psalm 8, uh, 
talking about uh, the creation of man. Uh, you see again and again and again, uh, and uh, if you work through uh, Genesis chapters one through four, uh, the one thing it is tied most closely to is dominion uh, and rule uh, and authority, honor, dignity. A uh, God uh, is the uh, sovereign, the creator, the ruler over all things, uh, and he created man uh, to rule on his behalf. Uh, he mediates his rule uh, through man, and so man is created uh, with honor, with dignity, with authority. A man is God's very vice regent. He is his uh, steward, not on the same level as God, but uh, below God, and that's very important for understanding uh, the kingdom of God throughout all of scripture from Genesis to Revelation uh, and even uh, the ideas of uh, sonship and offspring are tied uh, again and again uh, to uh, these ideas of likeness and resemblance. Uh, Solomon uh, was to be uh, as a son to God. He gave, him, uh, he gave him rule over his own people. Uh, and Solomon was to uh, rule over the people in righteousness, uh, in goodness, in justice, uh, to be a shepherd uh, as God. And, and he gave them basically the people as an inheritance uh, in the land. Uh, and you, you see this uh, again and again. And even with the, the rule, now uh, there are certain capacities that are implied uh, that uh, man uh, has. Uh, we'll see that uh, Adam uh, will uh, name uh, the, uh, the beasts uh, in the, the garden uh, as God names in the creation uh, and exercises authority over light and darkness, naming it day and night, and uh, over uh, the, the waters below and the, the waters above. Uh, he calls the expanse heavens and uh, the, uh, the uh, dry land and the, the waters that are gathered together. He names uh, seas and, and earth. Uh, Adam, too, uh, will uh, name the animals and exercise uh, authority uh, over them. And so uh, it implies certain capacities on the part of man. But uh, Moses doesn't, uh, such as uh, he, he has the, uh, the ability to, uh, to, to name and, uh, and to uh, think. He, he has uh, moral capacities uh, to rule benevolently, to know uh, right from wrong, to understand God's word. But I think in a lot of systematic theologies, and I, I used to think more, uh, more this way, I think a lot of them miss where Moses isn't going into great detail to try and enumerate uh, all, of these, uh, all of these things, but uh, these ideas of image and sonship were even part, uh, part of the, the very... Uh, cultures that they they lived around these were uh, these were common uh, ideas uh, and they really missed that if you don't see that rule and authority uh, is central to this and man's stewardship I, I think uh, you really uh, misunderstand the unfolding of the the following chapters uh, in through a scripture that he is going to restore uh, his rule uh, over uh, creation uh, and we'll see that uh, Jesus Christ, uh, he is, he's not made just in the image of God after his likeness, but he's the very image of God. Uh, he's the ultimate son. 
He's the righteous son uh, who uh, rules over uh, creation uh, and is the, uh, the ultimate heir. Uh, and in union with him, if you trust in him, uh, we too become sons of God. We become fellow heirs. Uh, and one day we'll inherit uh, the, all of the uh, earth. And so uh, just, uh, let's just uh, read through uh, verses uh, 26 uh, through, uh, we'll, we'll see where we get. Uh, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Uh, male and female, he created them. Uh, do you think it wants us to get something uh, that man is created in the image of God? Uh, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Uh, male and female, he created uh, them. Uh, mankind uh, is male and female. Uh, you don't have uh, humanity uh, without a man uh, and a woman. Uh, and we'll see that uh, scripture uh, gives the, the very uh, highest honor and dignity uh, to humanity in the creation account as the very pinnacle of uh, his creation. Uh, in, in chapter 2, uh, you could argue that a uh, woman is the very culmination and climax of the entire chapter that brings a completion to humanity. Uh, and man is incomplete uh, without uh, the woman, uh, just as creation is incomplete without uh, humanity. Uh, and God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion, over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Uh, and God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them uh, for food. And uh, he then gives them to, to all the beasts. And so uh, it culminates in God creating man, which is his, uh, the, a seventh uh, and final uh, explicit creative act uh, explicitly attributed to God. And uh, sevens are a big part of the, the themes that uh, we can't uh, go into because they, they go far uh, too deep. Uh, but sevens, the, the number of completion, of fullness, and man uh, brings God's creative acts uh, to its very completion. Uh, and then... Uh, he concludes with uh, blessing them uh, with his, uh, he names three times. Uh, he uh, blesses, uh, uh, well, here, uh, blesses uh, three times uh, and then gives uh, provision. And those, uh, those three also tie into to all of these sevens of God's uh, blessing uh, for uh, humanity. Uh, and before God ever cursed, he blessed. Uh, and that's 
Uh, very important to understand God's purposes in history. Uh, just because man rebelled against God, God's blessing will not be upset. It will not be overthrown by humanity, by the serpent, by Satan, by a sin and evil or any created thing. Uh, God blessed, uh, and so uh, uh, his earth, his creatures, uh, humanity will ultimately uh, be blessed uh, one day. He will preserve and restore his blessing uh, in a creation. Uh, and then finally, he gives his provision uh, to humanity of the, the vegetation uh, and uh, to all of the, the creatures. And so uh, God uh, created uh, and blessed and provided for everything that they needed to be fruitful, multiply, and fill uh, all of the, uh, the earth, uh, which brings a creation to its uh, very perfect uh, completion. Uh, and then it concludes with uh, the, uh, the, the seventh day. And uh, even just, just looking, uh, verse 30, uh, as he uh, gives the provision uh, to the beasts uh, and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food, uh, and it was so. Uh, that's the final report. All that God commanded came to pass. Uh, seventh and final. Uh, and then God's seventh and final evaluation of his creation. Uh, instead of saying, and God saw that it was good, uh, it now says, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and morning, the sixth uh, day. Uh, it was completely good uh, through uh, and through. And then it uh, ends uh, with uh, the seventh day, which commemorates uh, the, the very per com perfect completion of uh, God's uh, work. And let's just read through that. And then verse four, uh, we're uh, finally, uh, we reach uh, chapter uh, two. And uh, they shouldn't have put chapter two here, but... Uh, that's very uh, common, and uh, there's kind of a joke. I'm, I'm trying to remember, uh, uh, oh, who was it that uh, did the, the chapter divisions for most of our uh, English Bibles? I, I think it was uh, Scribner, uh, and it uh, was talked about how it was maybe even his son who recounted that uh, Scrivener, as he was uh, on a trip uh, uh, going uh, about, and I don't remember uh, where throughout Europe and uh, Britain and such, uh, he was going on horseback uh, from town to town, and uh, he was uh, working on the chapter divisions over uh, several weeks. And, uh, and so uh, during this time, uh, he uh, finished uh, all these chapter divisions. And uh, so it's uh, said that... Um, as, as he was riding along on the horse doing these uh, uh, chapter divisions, uh, every so often the horse would uh, stumble a little bit or go on, uh, go on a little divot. Uh, and, oh, he, he'd hit, hit the, the, his, his uh, quill or whatever, you know, uh, to the, the page. And, oh, you know, it's off by a verse. Oh, shoot. <laughs> uh, 
and so you know that uh, that's kind of a, an apocryphal story or, or joke that's uh, kind of come along, but uh, uh, boy, it has a lot of explanatory power. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, the seventh day, uh, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. Uh, that's that's everything that, that came before. Uh, and by the way, that's the 21st occurrence of heavens with expanse. The expanse were named heavens. Uh, and 21st occurrence of earth, uh, together 42, uh, six, uh, multiple of six and seven, six days, uh, God completed everything. The heavens and the earth, uh, seven, the, the number of completion, of, of fullness. Uh, the, the heavens and the earth were completed, uh, all of a creation. Uh, and all the host of them, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work uh, that uh, literally a God uh, created to do, uh, bringing it uh, to its uh, very end that, uh, that uh, the God of the uh, Israelites is the one true creator God uh, who made uh, all things and is sovereign over uh, them all. Uh, that's why it begins all the way back in Genesis. Uh, the Israelites cannot understand God's purposes in history uh, to bless and his purposes for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to bless them, their offspring, and all the nations uh, in them uh, without understanding uh, who God is uh, and what uh, he uh, did uh, in a creation. Uh, and this brings us, I did not men, mean spend uh, so much time, but <laughs> uh, there's uh, a lot uh, there uh, in uh, the creation account. And we have a lot, lot of classes, if, if you uh, are interested, that they're posted uh, online. And this brings us to the first uh, Toledot uh, generations uh, account. Uh, in the Toledot, the generations, each of them, they focus now on humankind, uh, the, the pinnacle of God's creation. Uh, and each of them point forward, uh, as it says, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth, when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. These are the generations. What? What are? What, what's to come? Uh, the, the next uh, scenes uh, with the first man uh, in the first woman, uh, beginning with their creation in the garden uh, and ending with uh, the birth of Cain, Abel, uh, and Seth, uh, through whom God will preserve uh, his blessing. Uh, Seth is the offspring of the woman who replaces Abel, whom Cain killed. Cain is the offspring of the serpent. He walks in the ways of the serpent. Uh, he is a liar, a murderer, an idolater, a blasphemer, uh, just as the serpent, and God curses Cain directly, just as he cursed the serpent. Uh, he didn't curse the man uh, in his judgment. He cursed the ground on account of man. Uh, but he does curse Cain uh, because he's a murderer just alike 
of the serpent. And so it's these Toledo, these generations uh, that uh, point forward throughout Genesis that go from one generation to the next, uh, looking at uh, certain forefathers and seeing how God uh, brings about their progeny, uh, their offspring uh, throughout the generations. Uh, and there's one line that's cursed, an, an unchosen, unrighteous uh, line, uh, which we see in Cain and Lamech, uh, which is seen in uh, Ham's son Canaan, uh, in the Canaanites who came from, uh, from Canaan, who are uh, cursed and will be, uh, God's judgment will ultimately come upon them. Uh, but Shem uh, is blessed, and it's through Shem that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob come, uh, the Israelites, uh, and uh, they're, the, they're the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and uh, the, the kingly line that he also traces uh, throughout, uh, through uh, Judah and his son uh, Perez, uh, not, uh, not Zerah. And so you see this selection in this narrowing uh, through the, the Toledo generation's accounts, where uh, there are some who are passed over, uh, usually the firstborn, uh, and the, uh, the, the secondborn, or those who, who come later, uh, God, uh, those whom God chooses uh, for uh, preserving uh, his blessing, uh, they uh, carry on. And these, uh, these generation accounts narrow all the way from the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve, uh, through uh, Shem, through uh, or through Seth, Noah, Shem, Abraham, Isaac, uh, Jacob, uh, the 12 tribes, uh, and then uh, with special interest in the, the tribe of Judah, through, uh, through whom will come the, uh, the, the kingship, uh, which is very important to uh, God's purposes and promises uh, for uh, his people, through whom David will come, Solomon, and ultimately uh, David was the anointed of God, Solomon was the anointed, but ultimately uh, there's the uh, ultimate uh, anointed uh, who uh, comes uh, from uh, that line, uh, the one who's truly righteous uh, and uh, who uh, can represent his people uh, and represent and be the head of a new humanity. And that's, uh, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so with, with this first Toledo generations account, uh, it's uh, going to turn now from looking at the creation at large uh, ending with the creation of man on day six. Uh, and now it's going to focus on uh, the first man and the first woman uh, and their uh, offspring. It's going to put the spotlight on humanity uh, in focus uh, with specificity now on them and on uh, day six with, with their uh, very creation. And so... Uh, verse 4, uh, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and uh, the heavens. Uh, and uh, here we see the very, we're going to see the very first progeny of the heavens and the earth. And that's, that's the first man, the first woman, uh, humanity. Uh, and there's, uh, there's an inclusio uh, here uh, where... Uh, if you pay attention, uh, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created 
in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Uh, the heavens and the earth, uh, A, when they were created, B, in the day that the Lord God made, B, the earth and uh, the heavens. Uh, it may be that God is now, it's trying to focus from the heavens and the earth at large now to the earth and the heavens, uh, as uh, Matthews and uh, some, some scholars say. Now, now we're going to focus uh, on uh, the, uh, the earth. So uh, changes from the heavens and the earth to the earth and uh, the heavens. And now we see something very similar uh, with uh, the, the creation account. Uh, he's going to provide uh, some background, uh, some information about the setting uh, for uh, the, the creation of the man uh, that uh, follows. Uh, and we see this. Uh, let me put my text on here. I'll be uh, reading uh, somewhat from the, the Hebrew text, but if, the, if the, I have uh, the ESV right alongside, and if there are any uh, major variations, I uh, highlight those and uh, draw, draw attention uh, to them. And so here it sets the, the stage, uh, just uh, the, the state of the earth on day six uh, before the very uh, creation uh, of man. And we're, we're going to see that there are certain unresolved issues uh, that God is going to uh, take care of. And uh, just like in chapter one uh, with the, uh, the, the heavens and the earth being newly created but incomplete, uh, now uh, we're going to see that the, the man is missing uh, from a creation. And so uh, now uh, every bush of the field was not yet in the land. Uh, and no uh, vegetation of the field had yet sprung up uh, for uh, the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and uh, there was no man uh, to work at uh, the ground, but a spring would rise from the land and would water uh, the whole face of the ground. Uh, and so, for starters, uh, we see that the uh, the, uh, the the bushes uh, of the the field uh, they were uh, they were absent. Uh, here, as we start this account, and the plants of the field, uh, they had not yet uh, sprung up. Uh, and the reason uh, that he gives for this, uh, there, there's some question. Well, he created the plants on day four, so uh, how does that work? Why, why aren't the, the, the plants, uh, the, the bushes of the field and the plants of the field? Uh, or why aren't the bushes of the field uh, yet in the earth and the, the plants of the field uh, had not sprung up. Uh, and there are different uh, reasons why uh, this may be. Uh, for starters, it just may be that uh, they're dormant. Uh, for instance, it says that the plants of the field, they had not yet sprung up. Uh, they, they may be just a dormant in, in the land. And it's the first time he speaks of bushes of the Field. Uh, he doesn't say bushes of the field anywhere else. He doesn't say plants of the field. And as we'll see, these are cultivated plants. Uh, these are plants that await uh, humans uh, to cultivate them 
uh, into uh, care for them. Uh, and before, he only spoke about uh, the, uh, the seed-bearing plants and uh, trees uh, along, uh, along the way. Uh, and uh, some, uh, Matthews and John MacArthur, uh, they would argue that the, uh, the bushes of the field and the plants of the field, uh, that uh, these uh, may have to do with the, uh, the plans uh, that the man was to work as a punishment after his judgment came about. In fact, he will say uh, that the uh, ground will bring forth thorns and thistles and you shall eat the plants of the field. Uh, and so uh, they would argue uh, that uh, that may be the case. Uh, and maybe, maybe they weren't a around yet. Uh, and maybe it came about as judgment, like the, the thorns and thistles. Uh, although, I don't know if Matthews is totally sold on that, but uh, he'd, he'd argue that that's a likely possibility. But as we read here, if we're just reading along for the first time, we don't know any of that yet. There, there's nothing inherently bad yet uh, uh, as we're uh, reading along. And so uh, we're just reading. Uh, there are no plants of the field uh, or bushes of the field uh, in the earth yet. Uh, and uh, all of the, the plants of the field had not yet sprung up. And the, the primary reason that Moses gives is for Yahweh God had not yet caused it to rain uh, on the earth. And there was no man uh, to work the ground. Uh, and this is what the following narrative is going to resolve. Uh, especially the absence of man uh, here. Uh, that is the primary thing uh, that's missing, uh, that it's all going to, uh, to build toward. And uh, we'll see there's a wordplay uh, where there was no Adam uh, to work the Adama, uh, the, the ground. Uh, he's the Adam, uh, and more literally we could say human, uh, to work uh, the, the ground, the Adama. Uh, and he's going to save uh, the word ish, uh, man, the, the, the more specifically male term, uh, until woman is created uh, and he's, uh, the man announces, uh, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called Isha, woman, for she was taken from ish, uh, man. Uh, and so, here, uh, the, the primary reason Yahweh God had not yet caused it to rain on the ground, and the, uh, there, there was no man uh, to work uh, the, uh, the, the ground. And uh, here, even rain is not inherently bad. In fact, a rain is often associated with the very blessing of God uh, to bring forth vegetation uh, and uh, cultivated plants uh, for the, the people. But uh, as we keep reading, uh, there are going to be echoes uh, back. If, if we were to work to the judgments, uh, suddenly uh, the uh, esev hasadeh, the uh, the plants of the field, oh, suddenly this becomes a punishment. Suddenly the rain uh, is is uh, going to turn in the waters into the flood. What once bring blessing and fruitfulness and food and vegetation will God will use to bring about destruction and death upon a rebel of sinners who fill the earth with a violence. And so uh, then he, he says, but 
uh, a spring would uh, rise from the ground, from the earth, and would water the whole face of uh, the ground. And some have a mist, uh, but it probably has more to do with a spring uh, rising, uh, as it says, from the ground. Uh, subterranean waters that, that would water, even associated with the rivers uh, that we'll be seeing uh, in uh, the garden that made it a watery, fruitful habitation. And so even without the, the rains, it's not that there's no water in uh, the, the garden uh, and in the, the earth at this uh, time. And now uh, he, uh, he gets to what happened. He gave us a little, little background uh, that the, uh, the uh, bushes of the field, uh, they weren't there yet, the plants of the field hadn't, hadn't yet sprung up. Uh, and now the very reason for that, he's going to focus on the creation of man uh, who is going to be his worker in the garden uh, and in uh, the earth. And everything that follows is focused on that central uh, issue. So now uh, we get to uh, verse 7, and we're going to see God's formation of the man. Uh, we're going to see his uh, planting of the, the garden and placing the man there, uh, and his uh, bringing forth all of the, the trees uh, to uh, provide for the man uh, in the garden. And then after a short interlude, looking around at the, the rivers and the scenery, uh, it's going to get to the, uh, the very culmination of this section uh, where he uh, gives the man uh, his uh, his commands, his marching orders uh, and the, the provision uh, of the trees and the prohibition of uh, one particular uh, tree uh, that is uh, very key uh, to the, the rest of everything uh, that follows. So uh, we begin with the formation of man. Uh, Yahweh God formed the man of dust from the ground uh, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living uh, creature, uh, or as uh, some older translations have, a living spirit, a living uh, creature. And now, uh, with the formation, uh, Yahweh God uh, formed uh, the man of dust from uh, the ground. Uh, we're going to see that the man's made of the same stuff as the animals. As, as far as the dust in the ground uh, goes, uh, this is his very source that God uh, takes him from. A man is created from the same created stuff as everything else. A man is a creature, uh, and he is not God, but he is a created being made from the same created stuff as all of the other creatures uh, that God made uh, in creation. Uh, and part of his, his very name, uh, this is uh, key. Uh, as I said, uh, God made the Adam, human, of dust from the Adama, ground, the, the, the earth, uh, because uh, that is his very source, uh, and that is also what he is to work. Uh, he has taken, the Adam is taken from the Adama ground to work the Adama. Uh, it, it's a part of the very 
uh, sum and substance of uh, his very nature as a created being, but also as a worker uh, in God's purpose uh, for him. Uh, and in the, uh, the, the same way, uh, we see that God breathed into his nostrils uh, the breath of life and the man became a living creature. A living creature is used for uh, the, the fish and the birds, uh, the beasts, uh, for all of the creatures. And that he gives uh, the, the, the plants of the field to all of the living creatures uh, for food. Uh, in scripture, uh, there's a, a categorical difference between living creatures that have their life in their blood, as it says, for instance, in Leviticus, uh, and plants. Uh, they're, they're of a very a different category in kind. Uh, the one thing that man has in common with fish and birds and uh, the beasts is that they are all living creatures and they are made from the same basic stuff, uh, the, the, the dust of uh, the earth. That is what uh, they share uh, in common. Uh, and so those who are living creatures who have their life in their blood, uh, they have a, a value that plans uh, do not. God did not bless uh, the plans, but he blessed uh, the, the fish and the birds. He blessed uh, his creatures to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And it's only those creatures that can then uh, be offered as a sacrifice uh, uh, on behalf of man because they have life in the blood. Life for a life uh, is, is required. But they are not humans uh, because as it says God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life uh, which is very personal and draws back to man be, being created in the image of, of God after his likeness man has a dignity honor and authority above all of the other uh, living creatures and uh, he is God's steward uh, over uh, the earth he is God's vice regent uh, he is to rule on a behalf of God. Uh, and if you even think about that, as I think uh, Matthews uh, uh, may have said, that if you think about uh, the crime of killing humans, one made in the image of God, one whom God set over the earth as his steward, his vice regent, to rule on his behalf, it is very treason against God himself. And so the crime of abortion to kill innocent children who have committed no crime is basically to kill royalty. It's to kill uh, those who are to be made uh, princesses and princes kings and queens. Uh, they were to be heir over uh, the earth and to rule on God's behalf. And it's the very highest treason. And that's why uh, after the flood, uh, before the flood, God took vengeance into his own hands. After the flood, he says, uh, if a beast or man sheds man's blood, by man will his blood uh, be shed. It's the very highest uh, crime uh, in a creation. 
And so here we see man's very humble origins, but he, he's, he's a creature like all the others made of the dust from the ground, but he is also a more than that. And now uh, God plans uh, the, the garden, uh, a place uh, for the man to dwell and reside in uh, the, the very presence of God. And so uh, God, uh, verse 8, uh, Yahweh God uh, caused to spring up uh, a garden uh, in uh, Eden uh, to the east. Uh, and he placed the man uh, that he had formed uh, there. Uh, there he placed the man uh, that he had uh, formed. Uh, and here this, this garden, uh, the, the garden uh, in Eden, sometimes it's in Eden, sometimes it's the garden of Eden, sometimes it's just Eden. Uh, Eden is really, uh, it's delight. It's the, the place of delight, uh, of, of uh, joy. Uh, that uh, that God has planted. And it's not like a, a garden uh, where, uh, from our culture, you might think of a little, you have a little uh, plot, and maybe you plant uh, some tomatoes in there, or uh, you grow uh, flowers or, or plants in this tiny little, little plot, but uh, it's much more a substantial uh, land that's going to be filled with uh, trees and vegetation, uh, throughout for, for them to live and thrive in. Uh, and we'll even see that there's a river uh, in this uh, in this garden. And so you might think of it more like even uh, like a, a great orchard or, or something like that or, uh, or uh, more like a, a farm. I mean, a large, uh, fruitful inhabitation and land uh, for uh, the man uh, to dwell in. Uh, in God's God's presence, and uh, also uh, I haven't mentioned, but uh, Yahweh God, you you see uh, in the creation account, you see Elohim, God, uh, throughout thirty-five times. Another multiple of seven, uh, by the way, and uh, th- throughout, uh, He is the one true Creator, God. But uh, in chapters two and three in the Garden, uh, I calls Him. Yahweh God, uh, with only uh, maybe a, a couple uh, exceptions. Uh, and Yahweh goes to his covenantal name to which he revealed himself to the Israelites uh, into um, Moses uh, at the, the burning bush when the angel of Yahweh appeared uh, to him. I, I believe in uh, around Exodus chapter 4. Uh, and the very fundamental idea with uh, Yahweh uh, has to do uh, with, uh, as, as I would understand, in, uh, having stayed chapter 4 very carefully, has to do with God's presence with his people. Uh, the God who was present with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs, who is present with Moses, will be present with his people, uh, the Israelites, uh, from then on. He is the God who is present with his people. It's one of the most fundamental themes throughout the Torah and throughout all of Scripture and the five books of, uh, uh, of Moses, the Torah, the law, uh, as it's called, or, or instruction. Uh, and it's also, of course, tied God's 
presence, uh, he's ever present. He's the one always present with his people. It's tied to God's uh, existence. And you, you even see a development of that uh, where uh, in the Septuagint, it becomes uh, egoimi o'on. I am the one, I, I'm the being one. I'm the one who is. Uh, and as you get to, to like Revelation and on, uh, I am the one who uh, is, was, and ever will be. Uh, you see this expansion. He's the one who's present with his people. And he's the one who was present with uh, the man and the woman uh, in the garden from uh, the very uh, beginning uh, as the very source of life and breath uh, and everything. Uh, he, God's presence and provision uh, was there uh, with them uh, in the garden uh, and his uh, blessing. Uh, and so uh, Yahweh God planted uh, a garden in Eden. This is the garden of delight uh, to the uh, east. Uh, and he placed uh, the man, uh, and there he placed the man uh, whom uh, he had formed. And we already know who the man is. Why do you tell us the man who, whom he had formed? Well, it's thematic. Uh, it's, it's the man that God formed. This is about the man that God has made uh, and placed in uh, the garden, the Adam, human from the Adamah. And then we see uh, the trees that God brings forth. And God caused uh, to spring forth uh, from the, the ground uh, every tree uh, that is uh, pleasant to the sight and good for food, and the tree of life in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we see a, a few uh, sets uh, along the way uh, that God caused to spring forth from the ground every tree that is pleasant to the sight and uh, good uh, for food. Uh, and so every a beautiful uh, tree representing all the, the beauty that God provided uh, for the man, things that are aesthetically beautiful and pleasing uh, to fill uh, the garden. Uh, the garden uh, was lacking none of them. Every tree uh, that is pleasant uh, to the, the sight. And every word is carefully uh, chosen because when you see the woman is tempted, uh, she'll see that the tree of knowledge was that was pleasant uh, or <laughs> it was good, well-pleasing to the sight. Shouldn't have been. Uh, God gave, uh, gave them all of the trees that were uh, pleasant to the sight. She'll see that, uh, that the, the tree was, uh, was uh, desirable and pleasant and good for, for food. No, it wasn't. God gave them all the trees that were, were good uh, for food. And if you even think about the things that, that grow on trees and the wild a variety of, of food, uh, in our, our own day, uh, think of uh, apples, uh, bananas, pears. Even think of uh, there are uh, nuts that grow on trees like uh, almonds that are rich in uh fat and other things like avocados uh, which I think are uh, one of the greatest uh, creations as far as food goes uh, that God has ever created uh, and just these uh, fat rich foods of tremendous variety uh, of berries and nuts uh, and all of these 
wild assortment of trees that we see even in our own day. And we live in a post-Genesis 3 world. We live after the fall. We live not in paradise, but in, we live in the cursed earth. The ground has been cursed, and we just see the tiny remnant of what uh, remains. Uh, but they had uh, it all in the garden to satisfy their hunger for beauty uh, and food and nourishment uh, in uh, the garden. Uh, and then uh, there was the, the tree of life uh, that God caused to spring up in the very midst of the garden. And uh, hear that. If you read through uh, Genesis chapter 3, uh, which tree does Moses say is in the midst of the garden? The tree of life uh, to sustain their lives, uh, representing God's provision for their lives forever and ever. God's endless, unceasing a provision uh, for them uh, if they would rule in humble submission to God and in, in dependence upon him, uh, he sustained uh, their lives. Uh, and life was something he provided to them, giving the breath of life, but something that God continues uh, to sustain that doesn't come uh, independently uh, from God. As, as Matthews and other commentators say, it's not as if God gets man up and going, uh, and he uh, can then just sustain himself. But God provides everything, absolutely everything. And then there was the tree of the knowledge of good uh, and evil. Uh, and we'll get back to this one uh, shortly uh, with God's uh, commandments uh, to the man. And now uh, there's a brief interlude. A little pause. He stops telling us what happened to drive, drive the narrative, to drive the events forward, and tells us a little more about the scenery to, to slow it down for uh, some important events that are about, uh, about to, to follow, uh, leave us uh, wondering and guessing for a little bit, uh, and to show us just how, uh, how fruitful the surroundings of the garden were. And so uh, a river uh, w would flow uh, now a river uh, would flow uh, from Eden uh, and would water uh, the garden. Uh, and from there it would uh, divide uh, and it would become four rivers. Uh, really uh, referring to the, these very heads or sources for these uh, rivers that, that split off uh, from this river that has its source and place uh, in, in the very garden, the, the place of God's presence and blessing. And then uh, he, he shows uh, these four rivers, just showing what a fruitful uh, inhabitation uh, it is. And a, a couple of them are in the, the region, uh, talks about the, the Tigris and the Euphrates, showing that there's at least some continuity uh, with uh, the ancient land that the Israelites lived in, even though uh, we don't know where exactly uh, the, the garden uh, was and, uh, and the, the, the face of the land, uh, how it uh, changed uh, over, over time. But there, there's some uh, continuity uh, to this uh, garden uh, and its place in the very midst uh, of the, the earth. Uh, and so uh, he says the name of the first, uh, the first river, uh, was the Pishon, uh, it uh, is the one that flowed around uh, the whole land of Havilah. 
uh, where there is gold. Uh, and the gold of that land is good. Uh, and there, there is a bdellium and onyx stone. Uh, and, uh, showing not only the, the fruitful rivers, but uh, the good gold of the land, bdellium and onyx stone. These are uh, rich uh, ores for the people to uh, use. And uh, some of these things, there's a lot of language that's uh, brought even into the uh, the, the tabernacle as it's built in the temple, uh, as Matthew says, the, the ephod of the, the priest, uh, where uh, this was originally the land uh, where God dwelt with his uh, people. Uh, and we see these uh, rich uh, ores in the very uh, wealthy, rich uh, surroundings of uh, this uh, land. And the name of the second river uh, was the Gihon. Uh, it is the one that uh, went around the land of Cush. In uh, the name of the third river, uh, the Tigris, uh, it uh, is the one that uh, went around uh, east of Assyria. In uh, the fourth river, uh, it is uh, the Euphrates, or it was the, the Euphrates. And so we even see uh, Tigris and the, the Euphrates uh, along this, uh, throughout this uh, rich surrounding land, uh, surrounding even the, the garden, uh, th this fruitful habitation for humanity itself. And this brings us to the very close of the creation uh, of man uh, before uh, he'll get uh, to woman, uh, which we will not uh, be covering uh, this evening. And so uh, verse 16 or verse uh, 15, excuse me. And Yahweh God uh, took the man uh, and he put him in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Delight, uh, to work and uh, to keep it. And so now in this uh, rich garden uh, that God, he's created, uh, formed the man of dust from the ground, uh, the Adam, human, from the uh, Adama, to work the Adama. Uh, he uh, planted the garden. Uh, he caused all of the, the trees to spring up as a provision for the man. Uh, and now after seeing the surroundings, God now places uh, the man there uh, to work and to keep it, where it's been building all along. It was man who was missing at the beginning to work the, the ground. Uh, and now... God uh, brings a resolution uh, to, uh, to that. And he uh, concludes this whole section. Uh, this, this is the very culmination and climax of, of, uh, of these events uh, with uh, Yahweh God's commands of provision and prohibition uh, to uh, the man concerning uh, the trees. And Yahweh God commanded of the man saying uh, from every tree of the garden literally eating you may eat uh, you may surely eat uh, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat from it for in the day that you eat of it dying you will die you shall surely die. 
Uh, and so he, he begins with his uh, provision uh, to uh, the man. Uh, Yahweh God commanded uh, the man, saying, From every tree in the garden, eating you may eat. From every tree in the garden, uh, withholding. Uh, we'll, we'll see, there's an exception. But here, uh, putting the, the, the very uh, emphasis uh, on this, Every tree in the garden, the liberality of God's provision for the man, giving him everything, all the trees that are beautiful, everything that he needed for his food and sustenance and nourishment, everything that he needed to sustain his life in the garden. God now says from every tree in the garden, eating you may eat. And in Hebrew, uh, this repetition, uh, it intensifies the provision uh, that God uh, is giving uh, to uh, the man. And uh, we could say, uh, sometimes we might even say, if you're encouraging someone uh, to eat something, you know, you, oh, you may eat. Uh, eat, eat. You, they, they really want you to partake of this. God is generous. He's not stingy. He's not holding anything back. He's giving the man absolutely everything. He has set him over the garden, over the heavens and the earth. He has given him dominion over all of the creatures, all of the earth, everything that he had made. And he provides him with everything, uh, even the making the man in his image, after his likeness, with honor, dignity, and authority, and dominion and rule, uh, even blessing them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Uh, he's given them absolutely everything. It, it's as if God created everything and says, now I give it all to you. And, and uh, the, the first man, uh, Luke, uh, uh, the, the author of the gospel, according to Luke, uh, he even draws the genealogy back uh, to uh, Seth, uh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. In a very, uh, in a sense, Adam was the first son. Uh, the, the man was the, the first son uh, that God gave everything as an inheritance uh, and set him uh, over it. And he was the man uh, of dust uh, from, from the, the ground. And so now that uh, God has given him everything, now he gets to just one single solitary prohibition. Verse 17, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, dying, you shall die. And so we have a prohibition, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, dying, you shall die. Uh, there's the motivation. There's the support. There's the consequence for eating from the tree. Dying, you shall die. It's no light threat. Uh, he's not going to half die. He's going to die. It's, it's, a, it's a strong, powerful threat against the man God means what he says, uh, and the penalty is death. Uh, and we have just a, a couple minutes. So basically, when it comes to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
uh, the man was placed in the garden uh, with everything uh, in just this one prohibition that God commanded, uh, providing with everything but this one prohibition. And so he had a choice. Either trust God's word when God says you shall not eat of it, uh, trust God's goodness, the goodness and truthfulness of God's word, or become autonomous, independent of God, and say, I will determine what is true, what is good, what is beautiful, on my own, apart from God, and I will seize and take this one thing that God has kept from me. How dare you keep this one thing from me? God is stingy and unjust and mean, and I will take from this, and God's motives are wrong. Uh, basically, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, man uh, could either have true wisdom by trusting uh, in God's word and fearing, fearing God, or autonomous, independent knowledge of good and evil, independent of God, setting himself on the throne, making himself the ultimate frame of reference, the ultimate standard of truth, beauty, uh, and goodness. So no longer be found outside of ourselves in the creator, but only in the creation, only in ourselves. And so it's the very highest treason. It's to usurp God's throne, God's kingdom, God's rule, not being satisfied that God created me in his image after his likeness and gave me all these things, but to take the one thing that God forbid, and that is to be God. That's to disobey God. And so as you keep reading, uh, it's an autonomous, independent knowledge uh, of good and evil. They could know, they had consciences, they knew right from wrong, uh, from God's word. Uh, and then uh, an experiential knowledge where once they sin, now they feel guilty and ashamed uh, and they seek to hide and cover their uh, nakedness because of their guilt and shame. And now they have sinned and done evil. And so experientially, uh, they know uh, evil. And so uh, here, uh, this uh, brings us to the very culmination and completion of the uh, creation of the Adam, human, uh, from the Adama ground to work uh, the uh, the Adaman. Uh, this is uh, reflected, uh, these blessings, uh, and God's preservation of them throughout all of Scripture. And Israel, really, they went to go live uh, in the land that God would give them, God's land, uh, to live in his presence, to enjoy his presence in provision and blessing. Uh, but uh, ultimately, uh, humans can't live before a holy and righteous God. And so God uh, raised up uh, the one uh, ideal, uh, true, uh, righteous king, prophet, priest, judge, mediator uh, in uh, the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. And he is the representative of a new humanity that he redeems. And one day, those who repent and trust in him, in his finished work uh, on, on the cross, uh, bearing their sins, uh, they will be uh, raised to newness of life and inherit uh, the 
new heavens and the new earth uh, where they'll live before God uh, forever, uh, evermore in his presence uh, with his blessing, creation blessing uh, restored. So uh, there's a lot to cover, uh, but uh, hopefully uh, it's helpful and uh, <laughs> spend a little more time in uh, uh, the creation account I intended. So uh, I apologize for that. And uh, we have many classes online if uh, you're uh, if, if what your whistle and you're, you're interested in uh, uh, hearing a little more. So uh, let's just uh, pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and uh, thank you just for your wisdom and goodness in creation and uh, in your uh, blessing and uh, creation of man. And uh, it's just astonishing to think from the, the very beginning the uh, honor and dignity and authority that you give to such a simple and humble uh, created being that really uh, owned and had had nothing uh, nothing to uh, give you but uh, you gave him everything and I thank you that uh, even though all people have gone astray and rebelled that uh, we uh, can have uh, redemption uh, in your son and that uh, that through your son who uh, entered into uh, our world and took on uh, human nature, our, uh, our humanity, uh, nature such as ours, uh, that uh, you have uh, redeemed us and uh, purchased uh, salvation uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you for him and uh, pray that uh, he would be uh, exalted and uh, honored and that all your word and promises and blessings would come to pass. And uh, we thank you for all these things and give you all the praise and glory. Uh, in his name we pray. Amen.